G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Dan Flynn is the Victorian State Director of the Australian Christian Lobby, our regular update for a Monday and keeping in context all of the things that are going on uh, politically. A special welcome back to 2022, you, Dan Flynn. Thanks very much, Neil. Great to be here. Dan, you're the Victoria State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby. Let's start with a issue which is a local issue for you. The rest of Australia looking on, though, with quite intense interest. This issue of euthanasia has been, uh, it's been a battleground in a number of states of recent times, and it continues in Victoria. What's the latest on things that have happened in the Victorian proposal for euthanasia? Friday was a big day deal because Professor Brian Owler uh, launched a ministerial advisory uh, final report uh, advising the government uh, on this proposed assisted suicide bill. Um, A couple of notable matters were that um, the end-of-life parliamentary inquiry had recommended that uh, unbearable and enduring suffering be a criteria uh, for entering into this assisted suicide program. Uh, He and his committee have said you don't need the descriptors unbearable and enduring. Uh, Any suffering will do, any sense of uh, subjective um, concern at all, really. You know, suffering is is, uh, not qualified. That shows us, Neil, that the slippery slope has started before this has ever begun. Um, We'll now see a bill uh, that's to be tabled. Um, We'll see this uh, in August, and it will reflect uh, probably in every way this ministerial advisory report. Well, politicians are going to likely have a conscience vote and are not expected to vote along party lines, the exception of the Greens who support voluntary euthanasia. But under the Andrews government, uh, it does look pretty scary to have this sort of euthanasia legislation coming before the Victorian Parliament. Well, it does. It's it's government uh legislation with the full backing of the health department and every possible uh, resource and bureaucracy uh, working on this. Uh, So it's given a lot of force. Um, This is, though, a Daniel Andrews bill. Uh, Jill Hennessy, the health minister, her speaking point about this, Neil, is that one older person a week commits suicide uh, at the moment because they cannot access this assisted dying, as she calls it. The truth is that where this plays out in Oregon is that the overall suicide rate among all age groups goes up when you have um, a message that suicide is an acceptable response to suffering. Uh, So if that's okay for older people, surely it's okay for younger people. And that's the chilling statistic from Oregon that uh, this, in fact, increases suicide across the board. Um, And that's going to undermine the government's very good work previously in relation to youth suicide. That's a completely contradictory message. Well, when you think of the slippery slope idea that you mentioned, and, you know, has the slippery slope begun in Victoria? Uh, As I understand it, Professor Brian Owler, uh, the author of this report, says it's conceivable that a person could obtain a prescription 
visit a chemist to get a dose of medication and self-administer on the same day. I'm sure that many people don't realise just what the slippery slope means if it gets to a point where it's that easy to commit suicide. Absolutely. My concern is that um, part of what underlies the, um, the rationale for this is the cost-saving to government. Uh, that Daniel Andrews himself said in 2008 when he was health minister um, that he didn't support uh, this type of euthanasia program because he knew as health minister the pressure on hospital beds. Um, And uh, I think we're going to see a lot of, um, if this passes, um, the economic rationalism of um, insurers not wanting to pay for cancer treatment but being prepared to pay for um, these assisted suicide tablets. Um, we're going to see elder abuse. Uh, we're going to see people taking the tablets because they feel like they're being a burden on the family. Um, that's a terrible culture to create, Neil. Um, the injunction, um, do, do not kill, uh, is actually meant to protect society. And breaching that in this way is going to expose a lot of people to harm. Because there are a lot of voices against this idea of euthanasia, Dan. Uh, but when it comes to the responses and what has to happen, I mean, the issue of palliative care uh, comes to the fore. And uh, there are many that agree that palliative care needs to be better funded. Uh, and in the state of Victoria too, uh, but better funded all around Australia. What are your thoughts on, on palliative care being the Christian response to, uh, to saying no to the idea of euthanasia? Absolutely, Neil. The, there are some who say that palliative care doesn't help anybody. Or not, not, excuse me, it doesn't help everybody. And there is, in fact, um, you know, there are some senior palliative care um, specialists who say, look, over the course of their career, they've seen two or three people who it didn't help. Now, something can always be done. People will be placed in palliative sedation. Um, but the, the bigger problem is this, that for about somewhere between 14 to 40%, depending on which part of the state, palliative care doesn't exist in the regions. And so palliative care needs to be properly funded, uh, accessible to all Victorians uh, before anything else is considered. And, and the Daniel Andrews government said that they would do exactly that when they were elected. They told ACL that in writing. They haven't done that. Uh, the failure to provide palliative care in that way is a broken promise, as well as introducing this Assisted suicide legislation is a broken promise. Dan, I'm always uh, disturbed by a discussion about euthanasia because you're talking about uh, the issue of suicide. There may be those listening to our conversation now troubled even by our discussion uh, or experiencing some level of personal crisis or thinking about suicide and uh, the encouragement is to seek some help. Lifeline 13 11 14 or Beyond Blue, 1300 224 636, or you may want prayer for a circumstance you're going to, and let me encourage you to call Pray For Me. The number is 1-800-772-936. Dan, let's change direction a little. Uh, Prostitution laws in South Australia, what's the latest? There's a challenging dynamic down there at the moment. Um, uh, those in South Australia will be aware that there was uh, a bill to completely um, decriminalise prostitution. Uh, it went before the Upper House a couple of weeks ago. It passed the Upper House 13 votes to 8. 
um, and it's now before the lower house on the 3rd of August, uh, so um, Thursday of next week. Now, um, uh, those in South Australia uh, can write to their lower house uh, through the ACL website uh, at acl.org uh, slash stop prostitution. Um, this is the most radical model of um, prostitution decriminalisation across the country. There's very much a patchwork situation in terms of the legalisation. The most um, liberal laws are actually in New South Wales where prostitution is decriminalised, except it cannot take place near schools uh, or churches um, or hospitals. Uh, the South Australian uh, bill uh, proposes to get rid of those, even those uh, limited restrictions. Uh, so this is this is quite a radical um, step, and those in South Australia are urged to contact their lower house members uh, to see if, the, if they would vote the bill down. Um, and um, you know, South Australia uh, has had had a, a good situation in terms of. Um, uh, criminalising prostitution, which me- which means it is not a destination for uh, trafficked uh, humans from uh, particularly Eastern European countries. They don't go to South Australia. There's no market for them. They come to Melbourne and Sydney. There was a push towards the idea of a Nordic model being adopted in South Australia. Has that been quashed? Has that been put out of uh, out of discussion? What's happened with that idea? Great question, Neil. No, it hasn't been quashed. Uh, there are uh, attempts to have a bill before the Parliament um, uh, which will change the nature of the discussion. Uh, it's hoped that that bill will, will um, see the light of day in August as well. Uh, and that's a, a bill that um, uh, you know, criminalises the purchasing of sex on the basis that um, uh, prostitution is the exploitation of mainly women and that's a, that perspective is shared by uh, Christians uh, and feminists uh, who um, see this for what it is, uh, generally the exploitation of women um, uh, who are very vulnerable in this situation. Dan, there's lots of issues to talk about. Let me rattle through a few more. Uh, the idea of fixed four-year terms has been in the media. Uh, is there any sort of perspective that the Australian Christian lobby might have uh, to perhaps help shape uh, what Christians think about whether that's a good idea or not? Are your thoughts on whether it would bring more stability? Look, I think it would, um, Neil. We have uh, advocated against four-year terms in Queensland previously, but uh, the dynamic, obviously, in Queensland, as your listeners will be aware, is that there's only one House of Parliament. Uh, so um, there's been a concern about giving that uh, one House of Parliament too much power where there's no House of Review, no upper house. However, the situation is different federally uh, in that, of course, we have the Senate, the House of Review. Um, so uh, we think this is worth exploring, Neil. Um, we haven't landed on a, a position yet, but look, it's worth exploring for this reason, that people realise that um, the greatest priority for a politician is to get elected. The second greatest priority is to get re-elected. Now, when you put the election and the re-election all within three years, um, there's effectively only one year to do anything of uh, substantive policy um, uh, or, or, you know, uh, nation-building uh, or things that may be done without uh, too close an eye on the polls. So uh, making longer terms... Um, you know, certainly gives two years of clear air 
uh, where some some uh, real momentum um, can take place, some real effort on delivering on those election promises. So we're certainly open for the discussion and um, looking forward to participating in that discussion. Dan, a quick comment on another story from the weekend where the New South Wales Liberal Party supported a push by Tony Abbott to give all local members a vote in state and federal pre-selections. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, on that uh, move? And uh, the vote, like something in the vicinity of 748 to 476 to support uh, that motion? Look, it, it just seems to be more democratic than probably any other system, uh, that if someone's a member of a party in a branch for two years, uh, that they should have a say on who the MP is. Uh, so, um, you know, currently the position would be that you have to be on some sort of special pre-selectors type uh, committee uh, to have a vote. Uh, well, it should be open to all the members. I think this is just really democracy at work. and It really gives the ownership uh, of who is the elected representative uh, back to the people. Um, and look, it's, it's definitely notable uh, that Prime Minister Turnbull has supported this as well. Uh, so... You know, that's in a sense both sides of the Liberal Party saying, hey, we've got to give ownership back to the people. Um, uh, great to see um, Prime Minister Turnbull and Tony Abbott working together on this very sensible reform. Another issue, uh, the issue of the postal plebiscite uh, came back onto the agenda a week or so ago and really has been picked up now by the uh, the federal uh, Liberal National Government. What's uh, what's the thought about the possibility of a postal plebiscite, the fors and against? Well, um, I suppose the, the fors are that, uh, that there's a government uh, promise to do this. Uh, it is their policy. Um, it will uh, be a way for the government to deliver on that policy, to give everyone a say about whether the definition of marriage should change. Um, uh, as we know, uh, Minister Dutton, uh, has led with this issue over the weekend. Um, uh, Greg Hunt, uh, Minister Hunt, was uh, on the airwaves this morning uh, supporting a plebiscite. Um, Lyle Shelton was on the airway this morning uh, supporting this plebiscite. Uh, so um, there is momentum for it. It would deliver something that um, uh, it was done in Ireland by postal vote uh, in terms of marriage. Um, Keenan Brady, the leader of that from the... Um, I suppose the gay marriage perspective uh, said that it was a good and fair process um, and uh, we saw the flag uh, referendum in New Zealand done by postal vote. So it's a good idea. Uh, let's get on with it. Uh, it won't cost much money and everyone will have a say. And uh, one more issue before I let you go, Dan. The Aussie creationist, Ken Ham, uh, of course, he created a huge theme park in the United States called the Ark Encounter, built a full-size replica of Noah's Ark. Well, he's doing something with that at night, and he's lighting it in rainbow colours. And, of course, the intention is to reclaim the rainbow from the LGBTQI debate. Uh, what are your thoughts? Have you seen the images? I certainly have. Um it's a 510-foot replica, uh, fantastic work by our Aussie hero, Ken Ham. Um, look, it's an interesting uh, that he's done this. He's done this deliberately uh, to, as he says, to uh, regain the rainbow back uh, from the LGBTI community, uh, that it, uh, it represents uh, God's decree, uh, God's covenant um, uh, with mankind. So it's a beautiful thing that he's done. What we're seeing play out on Twitter is a struggle 
between the LGBTI community uh, and uh, Christians uh, for ownership, as it were, uh, for the for the uh, rainbow. Uh, some have described this as a, a copyright dispute, uh, which is well said. Um, so clearly, uh, the rainbow uh, is God's signal. It was first picked up by the uh, the gay rights movement in 1973 uh, for a San Francisco parade, and uh, it, it has uh, been widely used on that front. And now is the banner for everything from safe schools to uh, gay marriage um, and, uh, uh, you know, even even transgender rights. Uh, so, um, yes, I think it's a fantastic initiative uh, from Ken Ham, who has done so much work to present such a huge visual um, and why shouldn't it be uh, celebrated and honoured uh, by the rainbow? Well, there's no argument, is there, that the Christian idea of the rainbow precedes anything that anyone else might have come up with. It goes back to Genesis chapter 6. And as Ken Ham reminds people, the rainbow is a reminder that God will never again judge the wickedness of man by a global flood. Next time, the world will be judged by fire. Uh, it's an interesting, uh, an interesting assessment and, of course, uh, encouraging listeners to go to Genesis chapter 6. And uh, remind yourself what Moses wrote there as he was giving his account of the rainbow. And, of course, we're talking about Noah's flood. And, uh, of course, uh, in 2016, it was Ken Ham who urged, urged Christians to reclaim the rainbow and, importantly, teach young people its true meaning. So uh, I guess there'd be encouragement from you, Dan, to, uh, to teach children about the true meaning of the rainbow. Absolutely, Neil. I can only endorse what you've said. Uh, it's a beautiful thing, and I think when Christians... I uh, see a rainbow in the sky, uh, it warms their heart, uh, they, they, they feel the love of God. I certainly do, and um, yeah, what a beautiful symbol. Okay. Well, Dan Flynn, the Victoria State Director for the Australian Christian Lobby. Uh, Dan, just great getting your insights as usual. Point people to the Australian Christian Lobby website to get informed about some of the political issues that are going on and get Christian perspectives on those. Dan, thanks so much for taking some time to share your thoughts with us today on 2020. Thank you very much, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.